Florida hand. Go ahead. So appreciate you, Eric, for filling in for Andy in his absence. Uh, Andy's spending time with his family. And I, I think you better get a lot of songs lined up this year because, you know, Andy's going to go on sabbatical, I think, sometime around May or something. So I'm sure he'll be calling on you. He'll be calling on you again. I'm so glad y'all are here on uh, New Year's Eve. You know, I, I thought, you know, people can still come to church on Sunday morning of New Year's Eve because no one has plans. But I know we do still have a lot of people out and uh, that aren't with us today and other people that are out due to sickness. Really appreciate you being here today as I start this new series entitled Fasting and Feasting. Fasting and Feasting. Uh, this sermon series will coincide with a 21-day of prayer and fasting emphasis that we're participating in. In fact, 21 churches are participating in this 21 day of prayer and fasting. Uh, I guess the Lord just thought it would be funny to line up those numbers. Uh, not every church in our town is participating in this, uh, but we have many churches across denominational lines that will be participating in, uh, in, in this, this season of prayer and fasting with us. Um, our dates on this are January, uh, January, the, uh, sorry, January, the, I should have this memorized, shouldn't I? January the 8th through the 28th. January the 8th through the 28th. Now, I know that all of you are not going to fast for 21 days straight. Uh, that's where our fasting plan is going to come in, and I'll talk about that uh, in, in just a bit. But I want to give you just a general outline of what we're going to be doing over the next month of, of these, these sermons that I'm going to be looking at. So uh, today, uh, I'll be preaching on congregational fasting from Joel 2. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about feasting on the Word of God from 2 Kings. This was a time of revival with uh, God's, God's people in the Old Testament, and, uh, and they, they, uh, they brought out the Word of God. They dusted off the law of God, and uh, it was a magnificent time. But really, um, do y'all hear ringing? Y'all hear that? Hey, you know what? I think, and I just got to say this, this don't bug me the whole time. I think this, uh, whatever you call this, this keyboard is still going. You hear it? You hear it, Dale? Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but if, if I, if I would think about that the entire service, even if y'all can't hear it, I would think about it the whole time. So if you could turn that off for me, I would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sorry, awkward moments uh, on stage. Um, anyway, the core of this series is really going to be January 14th and January 21st from John chapter 6. God has, you got it, thank you. Uh, God has really put this chapter on my heart, and I'm going to be sharing a lot, um, a lot about that from uh, from that passage. And then January 28th, you know, um, if if we fast or participate in spiritual disciplines together as a congregation, we really should have an outcome that we're looking for. We really should desire to be different. And I'm going to be asking you to pray that over the next month. How do you want to be different? How do you desire for your life? to change. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. That'll be the last uh, sermon in the series from Ephesians chapter 4 uh, entitled The New, the New Self. Um, but for, for today, I want to talk to you about congregational fasting. Groups 
of God's people coming together and for a short season fasting and praying together. That's what, that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to be looking at a, a passage of Scripture in Joel, uh, Joel chapter 2. And I want you to open your Bibles and stand with me uh, as we read Joel chapter 2. Uh, I love the book of Joel. I named one of my children after the prophet Joel. Uh, and really because of this passage that has just captured my heart for over a decade, um, this was this was a season in the life of God's people when Joel prophesied where they came together and repented and fasted and sought the Lord together. And uh, just some great set of verses here uh, from Joel 2. Uh, let me read them for you. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments, Return to the Lord your God. Oh, I love these next sentence. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering to the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let's pray together. Father, we ask today that you would speak to us. We ask today, Lord, that you would just do a work in us that can only be explained by the movement of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that's what we're praying for over this next month, this next 21 days. Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts in a significant, magnificent way. Lord, uh, bless us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So the book of Joel, the book of Joel was written by a prophet. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he, he wrote uh, uh, during a time whenever this swarm of locusts had come through the land of Judah and basically eaten up all the crops. And then here comes Joel prophesying saying, hey, that's nothing compared to what's going to happen next. You are an idolatrous nation, and if you don't repent, then God's going to send an army that's going to sweep through and is going to destroy your nation. Not exactly what someone would want to hear when they're in the midst of famine. And then for him to tell them to fast after this swarming locust had come through and eaten up all their crops. I mean, they're already hungry. And then he says, hey, I want you all to gather together and have a season of fasting and praying together. That's a, that's a pretty big ask. And Joel basically said, if you don't do this, then there's going to be an army that's going to march through and things are going to be even worse for you uh, than before. And so he calls, the, he calls the people together, he calls the whole nation together to fast and to pray and to weep and to go before the Lord in sadness and in repentance. You know, there's been times in the history of our nation when our presidents have called us to such a thing. It's it's been quite a while. I know we have the National Day of Prayer, but uh, does anybody remember the last time there was a day of fasting that was declared by our government? Maybe, maybe you remember uh, in history. I think it was uh, I think it was John Adams in the 1700s that asked for a day of 
fasting for our nation. Abraham Lincoln, uh, on the cusp of the Civil War, asked for a day of fasting uh, for our nation. Uh, Fasting is just not something that we think about a lot. As Christians, not just as a nation, but as Christians, we don't think about it a lot. And there's a difference between fasting individually, privately, uh, and a difference between fasting together. Um, And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I I want to talk to you about congregational fasting. And and this sermon will be a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to share with you some things just from my own personal life. Uh, I'm, of course, going to share with you some points from our scripture today. Uh, But also, mainly, I want to kind of give us a direction uh, for our fasting, for what we're we're going to be doing uh, for 21 days, starting on January the 8th. Private fasting is when nobody knows about it. Jesus expected that we would do this. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said, hey, when you fast and when you pray and when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It, it, was, it was supposed to be done privately, something that, that no one knows about. Congregational fasting, such as what we have looked at with Joel and such as what we see oftentimes in, in the Old Testament, was, was, was a public fast, so to speak, when groups of God's people would come together and everyone would seek the Lord intensely, not just in prayer and Bible reading and worship, but also through fasting. Now, I've had some experience this past year, uh, 2023, with some some private fasting. I want to share some of that with you, and and it's really out of that, that me asking you to fast along with me and and also with all these other churches is really, really through that, that it it was birthed. Um, I went on sabbatical. I mentioned how Andy was uh, Andy's sabbaticals coming up this year. Uh, I went on sabbatical this past year, and during that sabbatical, I had a three-day fast in which I spent time completely alone, no one else around. Uh, I actually rented a, a small island and a boat, or reserved a small island, rented a boat, and went out and camped on that island for three days. Uh, no eating. I, I drank, but I, did, I didn't eat any food. And I, I spent three days in complete solitude, complete silence before the Lord, uh, no technology, you know, no music, no phones, nothing like that. Just me and my Bible, praying, fasting, uh, and complete aloneness with God. It was such a significant time in my personal spiritual life. And when it was over, I just, it's like I had this hunger for fasting. And so I, I didn't, I didn't want to stop. And so I planned a series of fasts for three weeks in a row. Uh, and I actually did them on a, a Saturday, through a Saturday lunch through a Sunday lunch. And, um, and many of you, most of you didn't know that I was doing that on a Sunday morning. And I was, I was praying, oh Lord, please help me not to pass out in front of everyone because I don't have a lot of calories, uh, because I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to bring reproach upon the name of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, if you don't sustain me during those times, I will never be able to convince anybody to fast uh, if I fall down the steps uh, with exhaustion. And uh, the Lord carried me through those times and you, you probably didn't notice any difference in my preaching, but I could notice a significant difference in my connection to the Lord. And as I was praying one morning in the darkness right here uh, in this worship center, 
I, I thought to myself, I was like, Lord, I, I've got to invite other people to join me in this. Other people need to participate and fast and, and see what it's like. And so the Lord led me to ask just a small group of men, many of which are in this room right now, uh, to fast with me for three more weeks in a row from Saturday lunch to Sunday lunch. And uh, they didn't even know who each other were at the time. And again, for me, it was such a significant time. And, and it was just birthed in me that I, I, want, to, I want to lead my congregation uh, to fast and to, to experience you on that level. And of course, now we have this, this, these 21 churches. It's not just us. 21 churches that have come together uh, to participate uh, uh, to participate in this time of praying and asking God to do something significant. Now, each congregation is probably going to have a different goal for why they're fasting. Obviously, we want to pray for our city. That's why we're, we're uniting together with all of these churches. But through my personal time of fasting this past fall, I feel like the Lord gave me a new vision for church. And, and I don't, and I hesitate to use the word vision, but not, not just a new vision for our church, but a new vision for church in general, which is really not new, it's really more of a clarification of, of really who we should be. And I want to ask you to adopt this statement with me. I want to ask you to adopt this, this congregational outcome that I want us to look for during our time of fasting. I, I want to ask you to pray specifically that, you, that, that God would move in your heart in a way that you would pour yourself out for the kingdom of God to the glory of God. I, 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 I want you to pray. I'm gonna, as a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer at the end of this sermon today. I want you to ask the Lord to help you not to be a consumer of religious goods and, and, and not be a person that constantly, and, and I know that I'm this way, you probably this way too, that constantly is asking God to do things for you. But I want us to try to turn that around and say, you know what, God, I am here to pour myself out for you. I'm here to give myself over for the kingdom of God. I, I think that sometimes, especially in American Christianity, we get so caught up in being people that we come to church so that we can consume religious goods and services and even our spiritual disciplines in private just become a time of manipulation where we want to read the right scriptures and pray the right prayers so that God will do something for us. And I want us to begin to say, you know what, God? I'm tired of constantly coming to you and asking you to fatten me up. And I want to be a person that says, God, I am here for your use and for your purposes, and I am here to pour my life out and pour myself out and give myself up for your purposes. And so I'm, I'm gonna ask you to I'm gonna ask you to, to pray for that and, and, and to pray that the Lord would give you an angst for this. After all, that's what fasting is. Uh, fasting is, 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 is whenever we, we have an angst for God. 
Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through verse 13, uh, kind of described to us this, this desire to, to, to come before the Lord and just to, to pour ourselves out with a passion and with a drive and with an angst. And I dare say that many of you say, uh, probably don't, whenever you think about being in the Lord's presence, you don't think about coming before Him and weeping and mourning and coming before Him and, and ripping your heart open. But that's actually what fasting does for us. And really and truly all the spiritual disciplines should. When we read our Bible and we pray, we should want to come before the Lord just with this, with this openness towards Him and just want to come to Him um, with, a, with, with a heart that says, I don't want to be complacent. And, and, and that's sometimes how we get before the Lord. We become spiritually bored. We become, uh, we become familiar with a regular routine, a, a predictable outcome. And fasting is whenever we come before the Lord and say, you know what, God, I don't, I don't want to just have a casual interest in you. Lord, I, I want to have an intense drawing to be in your presence and to be close to you because that's how Christianity has to be practiced. Christianity can't just be a hobby. It, it can't just be something that we just kind of do on the side. Jesus wants us to be all in with him. That's, that's why he says, unless, he says things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, meditate on that scripture while you're fasting sometime. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Or hate your father and mother, you can't be my disciple, or lose your life in order to find it. Jesus gave us a radical call to discipleship. Not just this casual interest, but, in, but, but a type of approach to him that says, God, I have an angst for you. And I want to come before you and pour myself out. And I believe that whenever we do this, that God responds. I believe that he responds to us, even if we're not fasting, if we will seek him in that way, I believe that the Lord will answer us. In fact, he almost, he almost promises to. I, I, I love this passage that there's a sentence embedded in this passage that says that he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You find that statement all throughout the Old Testament to describe the God that we serve. And when you fast, you, you have an opportunity to experience God's graciousness and his mercy and his patience and his love at a level that sometimes can't be attained apart from it. Fasting helps us to experience the Lord in this way. And I want that for you. I, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind that if many of you, if you haven't fasted before, maybe some of you hadn't fasted in a long time, this could be just what you need to jumpstart your year and, and, and where you start off yearning for God rather than, than planning all the things that are going to happen in 2024. But start the year off with an intense meeting with God in which you prepare yourself to pour yourself out for the kingdom of God to the glory of God. You see, fasting is a form of consecration. There's a word that we don't use very much, consecration. Consecration, the opposite of consecration would be desecration. When you desecrate something, you try to make it unholy or you do something to make it impure. But consecration is similar to what you and I would call dedication, 
where we give something over to God, or in this case, where we prepare ourselves to meet with God. This happened many times in the book of in in, uh, in, in the Old Testament uh, in uh, uh, in the book of Exodus uh, Exodus chapter 19. God was about to speak to His people through a thundering cloud, and He told the people, He said, "I want you to." Consecrate yourselves, clean yourselves up, spiritually prepare yourselves for God to speak. Joel is saying the same thing to God's people. Um, he's, he's saying, consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves for a time of repentance and a time of renewal. And one of the ways that I want to help you with this consecration is I have put together, uh, and Rick, Pastor Rick mentioned this uh, a, a little while ago, uh, I've put together this plan for your fast. Now, I know Felicia Wilson probably got frustrated with me when I gave her all of this text, and I said I wanted one half page front and back, and she had to squeeze down the font. Uh, so if you have bad, bad eyesight, you can't read this. Many, m much of what I have on this front page is just a, uh, a reiteration of my sermon on fasting from this past fall, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to. Go back and, go back and listen to that sermon because also crammed into that sermon a lot of information about fasting. And so I've kind of summarized that on the, on the front of the, of the fasting guide. And there's a couple of things that are worth pointing out. You don't fast without a purpose. You never do that. Um, and I've tried to give you a purpose. I've tried to give us a congregational purpose for our fast, to prepare to be a people who pour ourselves out for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. But you may have another goal in mind. You may have a besetting sin in your life that you want to pray through. You may have, uh, some, uh, you may have a, 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 a measure of godliness that you haven't attained yet. Did you say, you know, Lord, I really want to be more joyous, or I want to be more patient, or I want to be more kind. Or you may need direction in your life. You may have a, a big decision that you're facing. You may want to have your own purpose. But also, you never fast, you never ever fast without combining fasting with all of the other spiritual disciplines. If you go hungry, but don't pray and don't read your Bible and don't get alone with the Lord, you are going hungry aimlessly and there's nothing spiritual about that. Nothing spiritual about that at all. You must plan in a way to where while you're fasting, you set aside time to be alone with God where you read your Bible and pray. If you fast without reading your Bible and praying and spending time alone with God, it's very likely that you will be wasting your time. And you have to have a good plan. And this is why I gave this to you to reiterate those points. And if you turn it over on the back, there are some questions that you can answer. You can put your name right at the top. There's some questions that you can answer that will help you to properly plan. And this will help you to consecrate yourself and plan to be successful um, uh, in, in this, uh, this fast and this prayer that we have, uh, that we have coming up and, and help you to avoid those mistakes. And you know, in Joel, Joel talks about, in chapter 2, he talks about these solemn assemblies. 
Can we go back, I think, one or two slides uh, to, to, to that passage that talks about consecration? And he says, he says, call a solemn assembly. He said, get everyone together. Get everyone together to fast and to pray and to repent and to read their Bibles and to seek me. Get everyone together. He says, I don't care how old they are. Get the elders. He said, I don't care how young they are, even the nursing infants. And he basically says, I don't care what they're doing. He said, if the bride and the groom are in the wedding chamber on their honeymoon night, tell them also to come and to take part and to be a part of this solemn assembly where we consecrate ourselves. And, and because this 21 day of prayer and fasting, because we're all doing it together, I'm going to set aside some specific times for us to fast together. Now, I know that it may not work with your schedule. You may pull out this fasting plan and you may say, you know what, my plan is not going to match up with that. But I want to give you these dates. I want to give you these congregational fasting dates. These are identical to some fasts that I did this past year where um, they would start on Sunday, uh, Saturday lunch and go through Sunday lunch. Sometimes I did them longer. You might want to do them longer. You might would automatically look at that and say, look, I can't do it on those days. And that is totally and absolutely fine. And if you can't do them on those days, it doesn't mean that you can't show up to church. Nobody is going to ask to smell your breath and to see if you've had your hearty sausage and biscuit on Sunday morning. Nobody's going to do that. If you eat a donut down in the college area, no one is going to judge you. All right, we're 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 not going to we're we're not going to be keeping score. And okay, let's be honest. Do I believe that every single person is going to do this? No, I don't. I know that there's some of you that are going to dismiss this, are going to opt out in that uh, of this, and that's totally fine, and I'm not going to judge you. I'll, if you participate in this, I want you to do it with the right heart. And if you can't do it during this time period, I hope that you will find another time period. I will be doing it during this time period, and I just want to invite you, if you're willing, to do it with me. But no one's going, no one's going to be checking. I just feel like if we're going to do this together, and if we could do it at the same times together, and if we could do it during times when we're assembling together, then we could really match up with what we see in Joel chapter 2. But you make your own plan, and if this doesn't match, it's totally okay. But I want you to remember the desired outcome. I want you to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray this in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to seek the Lord so that you will be a person that is prepared to pour themselves out for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. I dare say that many of you are not used to praying this way. Many of you are used to probably only praying whenever you have problems. Well, I have a problem in life. Let's pray about it. God, will you fix it? Or you have something that you want and you pray and say, hey, God, will you help me to attain it? Or whatever it might be, we are so used to asking God for things. What if we just asked God for himself? What if we just said, Lord, it, 
it's enough just to be in your presence? What if we just say, you know what, God, I, whether you fix all my problems and bless my life or not, God, I just want to be with you. That's a good prayer. And what if we got even more beyond that and we said, God, you're enough. Jesus, you're enough. But Lord, I want to pour myself out for you. I am your slave. I committed when I got saved. I, 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 I proclaimed you as my Lord, which means that I am here to serve you. And God, I'm tired of asking you to serve my life by constantly asking you to give me stuff. And God, I want to turn that around and I want to be a person prepared to pour themselves out for you and for the kingdom of God. I wonder if you could fatten yourself up spiritually as you neglect your, your, your physical appetite for food. You see, here's the thing. This, this prayer that I'm asking you to pray, this goal that I'm asking you to adopt, this happened in your life the day you got saved. If you truly got saved, this happened in your life. You came to the Lord empty and you said, God, I'm giving everything up for you. I commit my life to you, and you are my all in all. And Lord, I'll repent of anything. I'll turn from anything. I'll give everything up. I come now to you, and I'll receive you as my Savior. And my, that, that happened. This happened in your life the day you got saved, if you got truly saved. But you see, we got this, we got this thing inside of us called the sinful nature that's selfish and constantly wants to, you know, try to get the things that it wants. And sometimes we'll even try to use God as a, as a means to get the things that we want in life and the things that we want out of life. And I believe that this is just a return to that original prayer that you prayed whenever you got saved, whenever you just poured yourself out before the Lord. I believe that this is a return to a biblical form of Christianity where Jesus said, if you don't hate your life and give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. And I wonder if you would engage in praying this very, very dangerous prayer with me. I wonder if you would adopt this as your goal. I wonder if you would maybe write it at the top of your fasting plan or put it on a note card and you can stick it on your mirror or put it somewhere where you can see it. Or maybe, a, well, maybe you ought to do that with Scripture. That would be better than some statement that I've come up with. But this, this, this goal, I wonder if you would adopt it as your own and say, you know what, that's my goal. My goal at the end of January when, when this, this season of fasting and prayer and feasting on the Lord is over, and I hope you know it's never going to be over. You understand what I'm saying. But when this, this sermon series is over and this collection of prayers from all these churches are over, that I'm different. And now I am position, have I've positioned myself over a month's time through fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord with my church family to now I'm ready. I'm ready to pour myself out for God. And not just ask him to do things for me and to bless me. Can, can, you, can you imagine the change that could happen in you and the change that could happen in our church if we became these types of people? Can you imagine the potential change 
all across our city as 21 churches across denominational lines are all joining together with us to pray and to fast. Can you imagine the potential impact that could be there? But listen, what if, what if we go through all of this and you fast and you pray and no major supernatural external public thing happens in our church, in our city, but you get closer to God? Isn't that worth it? I mean, isn't, isn't that what we all want? Is just to, to walk with Jesus and be close to him and to be next to him? That is more important than anything. God is sovereign for how he wants to work in this city. He is sovereign for how and what he wants to do within our congregation. But I, I can guarantee you, even if we don't see something spectacular happen in the world as a result of this 21 days, I can guarantee you that if you will fast properly, if you will seek the Lord properly, if you'll read the word, if you will pray, if you will seek the Lord through the spiritual disciplines in an intense fashion, the way that he tells you to, you will never regret it. I've never, re I've never met a person who spent quality time in the presence of God and said, yeah, I regret doing that. I, I've, I've, never, I've never met a person that conducted a successful fast and said, yeah, I mean, I, I, had, I had a purpose and I just, yeah, I didn't lie. I, I'm not doing that again. I, I've, I've never met a person that, I never met a person that had a lively prayer with the Lord. I said, yeah, that was a waste of my time. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have read all those scriptures and been alone with God. I just don't meet people like that. But there's lots of people here today in this worship center who have fasted, who have prayed, who have sought the Lord, who have read scripture, who studied the Bible, who have been in the presence of God and cannot wait to get there again. Let's pray together. Let's stand.